Welcome to the Millionaire Secrets Podcast, where the most successful people in the world share their secrets to help you create the awesome life you desire. Welcome, welcome, Entrenation, to the next installment of the Millionaire Secrets Show. I'm really, really excited about today's episode. I'm here with a new friend of mine who is someone that I've uh, slightly stalked from afar for a while, uh, Omar Elatar. Am I saying that right? Elatar, yeah. Elatar, Omar, Omar Elatar. I, uh, I see his name all the time, but I've never actually said it out loud. Um, but anyway, I'm here with Omar, and Omar is an absolute stud if you – uh, have been hiding under a rock for the last couple of years and, and don't know who he is and haven't seen his incredible growth and his incredible interviews. Um, you definitely need to check him out and we're going to get into how he's done what he's done, which is just outright amazing. So Omar, welcome to the show, man. Thanks so much for having me on, Jeff. I'm uh, excited to be here and I appreciate the intro, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, you know, as, as I was kind of prepping you, like selfishly as somebody who is uh, a little bit newer to the YouTube game, newer to the podcast game, newer to the interview game. Um, I am super eager to know how you've done what you've done. You know, I've been a, what I would say, more of a behind the scenes marketer. So, right. so on, you know, I've been online for 12 years now, but I would say until a year and a half ago, not only had nobody even heard of me outside of my, my small little world, but I wasn't even out there trying to be heard of. Yeah. And just in the last you know year and a half, I've really kind of started to to try to crack into this audience building and, and public authority building. But I have I haven't even scratched the surface compared to what you've done. And from what I can tell, you've done it pretty quickly, right? I mean, yeah. Is that am, am I am, I'm seeing just over the last couple of years? It seems like your stock has just exploded. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild ride, man. I went from I think it was like four years ago. I was totally broke. I was working at Tesla and uh, I think I was like a lot of people like trying to find a sense of purpose and significance. I hired a coach. Uh, his name was Dave. Shout out to Dave. Uh, paid him a couple hundred bucks, which at the time, you know, coaching was a foreign thing to me. Mm -hmm. I invested in that and uh, we drafted up a plan to take massive urgent action. And uh, yeah, man, things happened pretty fast. You know, I went from getting one interview to another to another and they just started you know, from the Tom Bilyeu to the Grant Cardones, to the Ed Milets, to the billionaire John Paul DeJoria, to being flown out by Tony Robbins. And it just sort of boom, boom, boom. Before I knew it, I was on Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street's podcast. And it was just seemed like I got sucked into this vortex uh, just because I took massive action. And yeah, I mean, relatively speaking, it happened pretty, pretty quick. I mean, probably last uh, two-ish years. Yeah, so so usually when you hear that, uh, and I've had people say this to me, it's like, oh, you know, Jeff's, you know, certain things have clicked pretty quickly for me, but it's like, they haven't really clicked quickly at all. I've been doing this since 2008. <laughs> I just, I've been laying groundwork. I've been, you know, doing some different things, but like, I'm not an, at all an overnight anything, right? So for you, like it actually happened that fast. I mean, it, you know, a couple of years or a few years is still a long time, but yeah. um, you clearly, when you say you took massive action, I mean, that term gets, gets thrown around a lot, probably to the point of abuse. Right. You really took massive action, clearly, because it's not an accident. Yeah, you know, and, and it's interesting because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people will say that. But to be honest, you know, for me, I was in such a place where, you know, to save the, you know, the, the whole hero's journey, it's true. And I know it sounds generic, but I was really in a rock bottom place. And I wanted to get out and I didn't know how to, you know, and I think, I don't know, you can probably relate to this, Jeff, 
when you start it, it's like you think like, oh, maybe that's possible for me to do this epic thing. But you don't know if you can. You have limited beliefs. Could I really do that? Right? You see other people doing that. You think they have something you don't. So I was loaded with a lot of that. But to be honest with you, the, the reason that I started taking massive action is because the fire inside was so hot. Because in that rock bottom, I had an ex-girlfriend who actually broke up with me. And that was the first girl that had ever dumped me. Hmm. And believe it or not, man, and I tell this story, I shared it on Jordan Belfort's podcast, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, but I share this all the time is, you know, she, my ex-girlfriend, you know, broke my heart. And at that time, it was like, there was three things she loved more than anything. It was hot Cheetos, uh, Grant Cardone, and uh, she loved working out at the gym. So she loved uh, Quest Bars, Quest Nutrition. So I was on a mission year one to interview the creator of Hot Cheetos, the creator of Quest Nutrition, the billion dollar entrepreneur, Tom Bilyeu, and Grant Cardone. And wouldn't you know, I got all three. And those interviews ended up being uh, the most watched and downloaded interviews uh, in the world on YouTube and podcasts. So that taught me crash course all about, you know, SEO, keyword tags, all that. So I know it sounds spiteful, uh, but at the time, you know, I've, obviously that, that was only the first six months or so that that drove me. But you know, at the time that drove me to really like, all right, you don't want my time. Well, I'm going to show you who wants my time. I'm going to inspire the world and I'm going to make sure the world gets to see this. So I learned YouTube. I learned podcasts. I learned how to network, how to get past gatekeepers. I had zero experience with any of this stuff, but the pain of that, uh, the why, so to speak, uh, just drove me to insane levels of, 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 of action, man. So I was pretty resilient. I mean, dude, like, I think that's amazing. And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy to confess that to this day, I, uh, so when I started in 2008, I started online and, and same thing, man, I was at absolute rock bottom. I look back and I say, uh, uh, you know, I've been saying it for 12 years. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, when you get so far down, like the harder the surface underneath you that you're getting smashed against, the, the, the stronger you are when you press against it, right? True. Like if you're trying to do squats on a trampoline, super awkward, but you're trying to do squats on a, on a concrete foundation, which is what rock, I mean, it's called rock bottom. It's made of rock. You right. can press up really hard, right? right. If, but it's, if, you, if you exert yourself. But anyway, so 2008 when I started, um, I was in a ton of debt. And actually, it, it, it's funny you say that. My, my wife, I was living with her parents because mm -hmm. uh, I got kicked out of our apartment and I was a loser and I felt like this broke loser and I felt like her dad thought I was a loser and it's like, you, why, did you, why did I even let my daughter marry you and now you're back in my house? And yeah. to this day, 12, almost 13 years later, and I'm not married to her anymore. That didn't even last a year and I'm remarried. I'm super happy and I have no residual feelings but I think all the time about running into him again yeah and be like what's up remember yeah. when you told me I was arrogant remember when you told me your daughter could have done better what's up I think yeah. about it all the time it's I, I'm actually humbling to admit that but I mean like now have you, well so I gotta ask have you like have you seen her since you know it's funny I um <clears throat> we spoke um I think it's fair to say I got the last laugh on that one <laughs> But, uh, you know, there was yeah. a moment, there was a moment that was pretty, uh, unique. You know, I, um, I used to wish that one day I would have a moment to like, just like a subtle moment, you know, kind of like, I guess how some people would, would imagine winning an Oscar or something and be like, you know, you know, how do you like me now? Kind of thing. Right. right. Which is kind of what you're saying. And, uh, there was a moment on, uh, the podcast. I remember me and her one time watched the Wolf of Wall Street and I used to, cause I was talking about wanting to do something, but 
you know, kind of like most streamers, you talk about something for like three years before you actually do it, right? Yeah, I should get on YouTube. Yeah, I should do a podcast. Yeah, I should get online marketing, but you never mm -hmm. take the action. So uh, it was funny because I, I did have a moment, uh, since you asked, where when I was on Jordan Jordan's podcast, he, he like in the middle of me telling the story, he, he got a you know good kick out of it. And he's like, well, is there anything uh, you want to say to the camera? So I looked at the camera, the Wolf of Wall Street, right? This is my moment. And I just said, uh, you know, how do you like me now, Emily? <laughs> and then Jordan Belford and me just had a good laugh. So, you know, there have been little moments like that. Um, and I shared the story not to make her feel weird. I wish her the best. Kind of like you said, you know, I don't harbor any animosity. It was just, I was at a low point and that just fueled the fire. But uh, yeah, we have spoke, we have connected and uh, I feel, uh, I feel uh, I've done good with uh, that, that pain I turned into power, you know? And, and yeah. like, like you said, it ended up being the greatest gift ever because it drove me. I don't think, had we been together and had I got the girl, I probably would have still been making 50 grand a year, 60 grand a year at Tesla, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to get promoted to sales manager, you know? Yeah, yeah I, I look back and, and yeah, I mean, to your point, it, you know, it's not about the ex or the yeah. ex's dad. It's just about adversity in general, right? Mm -hmm. Right. It just, you become, yeah, I think you reach a point. And, and I say this knowing that a lot of people that are probably listening or going to listen to this are in a place of adversity, right? I mean, let's face it. You go on the internet listening to inspiring podcasts or watching inspiring interviews. It's probably because you're looking to be inspired because you got some shit going on, right? Right, exactly. So let's assume people are hearing this and, and, and that they can really hear from both of us. Mm -hmm. Your adversity will turn into, like, like you said, the, the fuel of your fire and you will end up being grateful for it if yeah. you do the work. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's one concept and I mentioned this briefly earlier is when I hired my, my coach, Dave, and, and since then I've had tons of coaches. I mean, I just cut mm -hmm. a check a couple months ago for a hundred grand to a mastermind. You know, I'm very much, I very much believe in coaching as it's changed my life. Um, and uh, I'll never forget. He said something simple and this is why coaching is powerful. <clears throat> it's not about getting a bunch of stuff from a coach. It's about getting the key things that really make the shift. You know, all you need is a little thing that just one little shift can explode a whole new, and I'm sure you've, you've seen it in your business uh, and in your life. And I'll never forget uh, that one shift for me was when my coach said two things, you know, Omar, what would happen next if life was perfect? Uh, after I told him about the breakup, he said, he said, congratulations, man. I'm so excited for you. And I was like, what the hell? What do you mean congratulations? He's like, he's like, she just cleared the way for you to live your perfect life. So let me ask you, you know, what would happen next if life was perfect? And I was like, whoa, like, I never, I mean, think about it, Jeff. How many times in life has anybody ever given you permission to dream if life was perfect? I think most of us all assume that, well, we're going to have to settle somewhere in the relationship, in our business, in our time, in the job. I'm like, well, maybe it sucks. I'll just keep the job a couple of years. Or maybe it'll get better. Or, you know, and of course it never does. <laughs> we just get more bitter, <laughs> you yeah. know, most of the time at least. And uh, I'll never forget, that was the first thing because he gave me permission to think in terms of ideals, not in terms of settling, which... Sounds simple, but, but it's not. Uh, and the second thing that really changed my life, to speak to your point, is that he said, nothing in life has any meaning except the meaning that we give it. And I just remember it hit me like, it was like a bullet to my soul. It was like, nothing in life has any meaning except the meaning that we give it. So that meant in that moment, I rationalized in my head this, I was like, oh, okay. So if that's the case, then in spite of the fact that I'm, and I'm sure you can relate, you know, I'm heartbroken, I'm devastated, I'm like pissed, I'm frustrated I'm, I'm overwhelmed but at the same time I'm like broke right at this time there's just so many emotions and feeling like the one person that I wish was there for me like left I was like oh man I have nothing I have so much 
uh, internal just un just unease that um, I said, you know what? I get to choose if this means a if this breakup means a breakdown or a breakthrough. I get to choose what I do with this. And so we wrote, wrote down what are empowering meanings I could use this for. How could I use this? What's good about this? What's the blessing? And little by little, man, though, I'm telling you, Jeff, those words on paper, man, I still have the notebook. Um, I still have, and it's funny, it has dried water spots because there was tears running down my face as I was writing it. Uh, you know, I wrote down this list. You know, I see myself doing this. I'm gonna, I choose that the meaning of this, that I'm going to prove to her that I'm the man. I'm going to prove that I can be financially independent. I'm going to inspire millions of people. I'm going to make millions of dollars. I'm going to interview led. And I just wrote down this thing. Mind you, I have a 2013 Corolla. I'm $30,000 in debt, overweight, broke, lost the press. So I'm writing pure fantasy here. And uh, lo and behold, man, you know, I look at my life today and the trajectory we're on and the mission we're on and the team I have. And those words have literally popped out of uh, the page and into my life and into reality. So it's, you nailed it on the head with a hammer, man, when you said it's like you get to choose to use the pain uh, or you can let it use you, you know, but because I took action and I used it, um, it made me a better person. Like you said, you know, I pushed against the concrete and thanks be to God, I looked around and uh, things worked out kind of nice, man. So, so yeah, I mean, I resonate so much with what you're saying. I, I, I definitely think I'm older than you, yeah. uh, but it's almost like, it sounds like about maybe eight or 10 years before you were going through that, I was going through my version of the same thing. And, and it's true. And I'm sure you've experienced probably a similar challenge as to what I experienced, which is that since you've been in a position where you essentially have overcome this, this challenge, right? You, you've had your crucible and you've emerged victorious, so to speak. Right. Um, you, you, you see, you are, you are seen and you see, uh, other people and you're seen by other people who are kind of going through their version of that. And there's, I assume you probably get hit up a hundred times more than I do. People say, what do I do? You know, here's what I'm dealing with. How do I overcome? Right. And you know, you have probably mass. I have time. I've been dealing with this for 12 years since I kind of started to get my game together. Right. And I, I try so hard it's almost like I feel like I'm trying to convince people. Yeah. Your pain is the source of your greatness. Your challenge is your, your adversity is your opportunity to grow in ways that you never would otherwise lean into how unbearable it feels so that you will never settle for it again. Yep. True. And it seems like a few people really hear me and everybody else kind of just doesn't. They kind of yeah. just, move on and it's like how do we how do we bottle it and serve it to people so they get what you're saying it, you know it's very interesting you say this Jeff I know exactly what you're talking about I get uh, emails part of my my morning ritual which I've learned to be careful with is uh, you know we get a lot of fan mail we got a lot of messages and emails and stuff like that and uh, I remember in the beginning it would like it would put me up and I realized the challenge is if if you get too addicted to that or too high on that then when you don't get that or when you get a hater or when you get some <laughs> And you get low, you know, yeah. uh, I've, I've learned to calibrate that a lot better. But, um, but the one thing I will say that's a common denominator, you know, every morning when, you know, I, you know, peek in there or whenever I do, I find that there's really, I mean, there's a lot of people, but I think, I think the way, and I, the way I talk to my team about this, even when we hire people or bring them on board to work with us or in partnerships or whatever, you know, my criteria is based upon my principle that I've learned from, from, you know, connecting with people. And it's really twofold. Um, and I say, you know, there's two types of people. One is the type of person that life happens to them. And the other person is that they happen to life. 
-hmm. And while there's micro, you know, variations and distinctions you can make of each of those, I firmly believe um, that at the end of the day, you're either living in a dominant space with your actions in one mindset or the other. Again, either you are happening to life or life is happening to you. And typically what happens is when most people aren't winning, they think that life is, is sort of having one on them, that life is beating them. When in reality, kind of like they say the expression that light isn't the opposite of dark, it's the absence of it. And so I think that a lot of times the reason that people aren't winning in life, or at least in a momentum, everybody goes through hard times, man. I, I have plenty of friends, and I'm sure you do too, who've made a million bucks online, boom, lost it, went into debt, and now they're trying to find the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. So this illusion that you hit success and it's this just invisible field of indefinite greatness is, is unrealistic. <laughs> It's a roller coaster. It's a journey for everybody. You know, everybody has their own challenges and trials and tribulations and ups and downs. Uh, but in reality, I find that the way in which I try to advise most people is to try to remind them through however I can uh, that they happen to life. And it's so important to remember that you are larger than anything that can happen to you. Uh, even if it's not true, adopting that belief is going to empower you to take a lot more action, to be a lot more resilient, to to find ways to, to, to use the pain, to find ways to prove people wrong, to find ways to, you know, I mean, I mean, think about it. Like I've sat down with people that I never even would have dreamed of. You know, when I sit down with John Paul DeJordia, 44, uh, 44th wealthiest man in America. I mean, talk about, you know, people say billionaire. This guy has founded not one, but $2 billion companies at 37. He was living in his car. Yeah. You know, so when you, when you meet people like that, you know, the creator of hot Cheetos, he's become a good friend of mine. He was a janitor making three bucks an hour. Now the guy's financially set, Many lifetimes over, everybody right. loves hot Cheetos. Um, and, you know, when I meet them, it's, it's almost like it's very hard for me to feel, um, I feel sympathy and empathy for people, but pity is very challenging because I don't care what your situation is, man. I've been with people who are broke, lost, depressed, divorced, um, in jail, um, had their parents killed, um, lived on the streets, um, you know, we're janitors, we're, we're losing at 40 and 50. Uh, you know, I've, I've had people at every age, every scenario, men, women, whatever. And if they could do it and they're from, you know, all over the world, it's not like they're privileged to be born in an area. Sometimes they are, but not always. I mean, some people were born in Mexico. Some people are third world countries. And I'm sure you've seen it too. Immigrants go on to do phenomenal things that people here kind of are more lax and don't push as hard because they have a little yeah. bit of comfort. So, you know, long story short, that's really just a long winded way of saying that you know, I firmly believe and I try to tell people that no matter where you're at in life, you control your destiny, your actions and the meanings that you give the experiences become the experiences. And, and um, one of the most beautiful things about interviewing and why I love helping people do it. And you know, we have courses in coaching and I know we talked about it earlier, but the reason that I love doing that is because I love seeing people light up, man. Not only does it create content and build brand and create all that, but when you meet people and interview people, it almost, and I'm sure you, you found this, Jeff, I certainly have. It almost re-energizes you and re-inspires you to, to keep like, oh, damn, like there's a whole new level. There's a whole next level. And I think that's why so many people look at guys like us uh, or others and say, man, how do we do it? How do we do it? Because they want that. They just kind of don't know how. So, uh, yeah, those are kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah. So, I love something you said, which is, oh, God, I just love it. You said, it actually doesn't matter if it's true. Exactly. You're just better off doing it that way. Yeah, they, they did a right. study. I heard this thing from Tony Robbins, and I, I forget the math exactly, but something to the effect of they did this study at a really prestigious university, and they studied people who were, quote-unquote, uh, dominant optimists versus pessimists. And they found that the pessimists were much more realistic, but over a 10-year span of tracking them, um, that they made a far, far less uh, income. 
They were far unhealthier. They had higher levels of divorce because they were realistic. Right. Uh, this was the study's focus. When in reality, the delusional optimist, he may be totally wrong, but you only have to be really right once to really justify a lot of those wrongs. I mean, you have to be delusional to think that. I mean, think about Elon Musk. You think he's yeah. a, a realistic pessimist? You know, no. there has to be a certain- he's, he's actually probably clinically insane. <laughs> I, I believe it, man. I believe it. You know, but it, I mean, he's able to produce results. And so yeah. if you look at anybody, if you look at anybody who's successful, they always did something a little bit unconventional. I mean, you know, I talked about earlier that getting interviews with these people, a lot of people say, Omar, how do you do it? To be honest with you, I don't even logically know how, you know, I, I, but what I do know is that I made it so intense inside of me that it just had to happen. So because I made it intense, I was willing to send the email. I was willing to write the thing called this, called the gatekeeper, leave the yeah. voice. I was just willing to do the work. And, you know, when people ask me how I do it, you know, and I break this down in my courses and trainings and all that, but like a lot of it is having a compelling reason why, like seeing how that fits into what you're doing. And so I would do unreasonable things, man, things that don't make logical sense, uh, things that a delusional optimist would have had to. I'll give you an example. Just real quick, those three, you know, Grant Cardone, perfect example. And this was, keep in mind, this was like three years ago. So now more and more people, more and more people are starting podcasts and doing stuff. And I'm partially probably responsible for that to, to a certain degree. But, um, you know, it's like people weren't doing this. I didn't have a training. I didn't have, there wasn't really podcast courses three years ago, four years ago. I didn't know how to network or get into, and I keep in mind, I'm broke. I'm not a, not a millionaire. I'm not a rich guy. I'm not a, so I'm, I'm a nobody who just wants right. to interview epic people. It's, it's a huge leap of faith. I mean, that's, that right there is delusional optimism. Number one. Delusional optimism number two is I was in LA and I said, okay, I want to interview Grant Cardone. This is when Grant really popped off three years ago, really exploded. I was like, man, I would love to interview that guy. So I saw, I was like, he's in Florida. I'm in California, right? Polar opposite sides of the country. So I said, you know, most people would look at that and go, okay, cool. I'll just leave it at that. Or maybe right. one day or, or man, maybe over zoom or, you know, down the road or whatever. But no, I had to prove the girlfriend wrong, right? I had to be a delusional optimist. So I saw that he was uh, in vacation in LA in Beverly Hills. Um, and uh, that's a couple hours for me, probably about two hours, but in LA traffic, probably like four hours. Right. And uh, so I saw that he was in LA and Beverly Hills. And one day I was watching their Instagram story while they were in Beverly Hills. True story, man. I share this. A lot of people trip out on it. True story. I, um, I was at home. And, uh, you know, not doing too well. I had quit Tesla and I started a little production company. So I was a little bit of momentum, but nothing really was popping off for me. And, uh, and I see on his Instagram story that he is going to dinner in Beverly Hills. And I hear him talking to his wife, Elena, and they're like, Hey, Elena, do you want to go to, you know, X restaurant in Beverly Hills at seven? What time do you want to go? And I faintly hear on her Instagram story. She's like, Oh, let's go at seven 30. He's like, okay. So it's very faint. It's very like subtle. Nobody probably caught it. But in my head, I'm like, boom, this is my chance, right? Delusional optimism, step number yep. three. Believe it or not, Jeff, I drive uh, two and a half hours to Beverly Hills, try to catch them. Uh, I, see, I saw that they were at a gym first. So I'm like, okay, cool. I know where that gym is. Boom, I go to the gym. I, by the time I get there, I walk in and I, you know, pretend I'm going to bu accidentally bump into them and ask right. them to be them, right? That's the plan. I go to the gym. I look at his Instagram story. They left. And then that's when I saw they were at the restaurant. So that was... The restaurant was the second part of it. So then I was like, damn. So I drive two and a half hours to the gym. You're not there. I drive two and a half hours back. I get home. That's when I see the, the dinner thing. So I'm like, all right, should I drive back again? Oh, God, this is so stupid. This is so dumb. <laughs> not going to work. Like, this is retarded. You know, 
but I have already, keep in mind, I've already spent four and a half hours. I'm like, you know what? The day's almost gone. Might as well commit. And that one action, Jeff, changed my life. I drove back again to Beverly Hills. So now I'm like six hours into these Beverly Hills trips in my mind thinking like, oh my God, this is stupid. I can't believe this is what my life has come down to. I'm in my mid twenties. How, how, how is this my, uh, how is this my life right now? You know, I'm by myself, drive down there and, uh, and uh, I find the restaurant, I scope it out. They're not posting anything on their Instagram stories. So I'm like, oh no, I hope I didn't, you know, come to the wrong place again. Mm-hmm. So I end up scoping out the place. You know, I put some cologne, try to like dress up, look the parts. A fancy Beverly Hills restaurant. I had no business there. Park my Corolla outside, you know, around the corner. Couldn't right. afford the valet, so I park around the corner. I don't, I don't want them to see the car. So I, um, so I pull up and uh, I go inside and I pretend to ask the lady. I say, "Oh, I have a reservation," and you know, they're, they're coming in a little bit or something. I just, can I use your restroom? So she's like, "Sure." Walk in the restaurant. Keep in mind, like so much delusion going on here. Oh yeah. Walk in, walk in the restroom and I, the restroom's in the back. So I'm like kind of scoping out the place, but not trying to be obvious. Just I'm looking for Grant you know, I'm looking for the voice, the signature voice. Don't see him. I'm like, damn it. So I go in the restroom and, I'm, and I look at, and I remember this, Jeff. I go in the restroom. I, I wash my face and I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, dude, like you need to get your life together, man. Like, can you believe like I yeah, can't yeah. come down to this? So I'm like, all right. So on my way out, I'm like, you know what? I accept defeat. Like, I'm going to go home, maybe get a job. Like, really just try to cut my losses here. So I'm walking out at the very corner of the restaurant by the bar. I see him and Elena having steaks and wine and, you know, living it. And I'm like, they're here, right? So the inspiration turns back on. So I'm like, all right. I scope out the exits, go outside, and I wait. And Jeff, I wait about two hours for them to get out. And I'm like, I'm on the restaurant to the side. I'm not waiting in front. I don't want to be, you know, creeper. So I'm waiting right, kind of right. down the sidewalk a little bit. Every time the door opens, I'm, I'm thinking, is it them, is it not? So my heart's beating, and then it's not them. Then someone else opens, my heart's beating, and then it's not them. So I have adrenaline. So I'm getting depleted of all adrenaline right now. I'm nervous. I'm, my mouth's dry. Like, just so many things. And um, finally, lo and behold, they come out of the restaurant. I pitch them. We end up talking. Um, and um, he's like, dude, you, I told him the whole story. I'm like, dude, I drove down here just to take a photo with you, you know. I'd love to interview you. I know I, you know I have a small podcast. I'm just starting. I know you would normally say no. I brought up all his objections before right. he did. I said, I know you would normally say no. I know I have a small podcast, but Grant, I drove down here. You're a huge inspiration to me. Would absolutely love to interview you on the show and consider me the young man you once were who's just looking for somebody to give him a shot. I had been preparing the pitch, right? Yeah, I had been yeah. preparing this whole thing. I had the all day. So he's like, all right, dude, I like you, man. I'll do your interview. So lo and behold, two days later, we filmed the interview. And, uh, you know, within a month, it was the most watched and downloaded interview in the whole world on YouTube and podcasts and all that. And it just blew up. And, you know, that's just one story. Uh, and then since then, Grant's been on the show three times. He's become a client of ours. We film a lot of his content for YouTube. And, uh, you know, we've helped Grant a ton. And it's crazy because I did that for him. And now he's become a client. He's become a friend. He has my number. Uh, you know, it's, it's so it's surreal how stuff like that has happened dozens of times over. I mean, I'll give you a quick, I know that was a long-winded one, but I'll give you a Two more quick ones. Tom Bilyeu DM'd him 12 times on Instagram. He didn't respond to any of them. Lo and behold, that one extra time, that one little extra push, the 13th time, he was just like, hey, Omar, so sorry. I just saw this. Sure, here's my assistance number. Here's my address. Can you come on Tuesday at 4? I was like, cool, did that. So there's two in the bag. Yeah. Third one was the creator of Hot Cheetos. I messaged him probably 15 times, didn't respond, ignored it, said no finally at the end. So I went to a speaking event, found that he was actually speaking at an event months later, 
approached him at the stage and he said, no, but thank you. Second time I went up to him, he looked at me, he goes, dude, you don't give up. Fine. I'll do your interview. And not only has that interview got on to be the most watched and downloaded interview in the world with them, but it actually became the premise. Uh, it's because I love interviews and I developed this real passion for storytelling. And, and this is why I love to do what I do. But um, that interview ended up getting almost half a million views. And Eva Longoria is set to direct a movie based yeah. on his life. And they're writing the script. Um, they have the script writers uh, working uh, partially off of our interview. So that that's informing the narrative of the thing. So, I mean, to think that in any way, and he told me, he was like, hey, dude, Eva Longoria, he'll call me. And he'll be like, dude, Eva Longoria's coming to my house. Can you believe it? You know, I mean, he's like, yeah. I'm like, dude, you got to connect me. So to think that all these things would happen, I'm telling you, it's delusional optimism will cause you to take actions that uh, realistic pessimism just will not. <laughs> I, could, I could listen to this all day. I, I feel like, I mean, I, 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 like I, have, I have videos that I've been making back when, I mean, I get like, now I get like, many hundreds of views, sometimes maybe a couple thousand views. And I'm not like a big deal, but I mean, I'm talking back when I was getting like seven views and 12 <laughs> yeah. views. And I literally am ranting about unreasonable optimism, right? Because it doesn't matter about my YouTube business. I mean, every juncture of my life that's inflected me up to the next level has always been founded on unreasonable optimism. I call it uh, delusional and either optimism or enthusiasm and unreasonable self-confidence, right? Which you just, you just embodied to a T and uh, I, I love it, man. I love it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the fabric. It's the thing that you cannot teach, right? You can try to inspire, but I don't, you know, that, that's the thing. I mean, I think about, I, I when I was in, uh, in my 20s, I wrote a music. It's like I have these stories. You have the stories. I have the stories. But to, to try to inspire people that you've got to create those stories. And I remember back to when I was creating my version of those stories. And I'm sure you can experience this. And like you said, when that moment when you were looking at yourself in the mirror, like going, what are you doing, Omar? Right. Like, what do you? Those are the moments when your life is created. Mm -hmm. The moment when you go, what are you doing? And then you go, yeah. Just take one more shot. Yeah, exactly. Or send one more direct message. Just, yep. Yeah, I know you're crazy. Okay, you're crazy. What? Just, but just try one more time. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. and then the net, and then, and then it still doesn't work. And you go, but just one more time. Right. It, it, right. Yeah, and and you know what else? You know what else I found? I found that um, you know there are certain things in business and in life. It's interesting. You know, a lot of times people say, especially in the online marketing space, you know. They say, hey, you know, would this idea work or would, it, would could I sell a course like this or could I do this or could I do, you know, people have these like desires. But I firmly believe that when you look at the people who win, there was there was many logical reasons potentially that it, they could have not won. Yeah. And I found that a lot of times more than the idea, it's that person's conviction in the idea. Um, you know, they say, you know, in online marketing and in business, certainty wins, you know, yeah. and a lot of people have a hard time being certain about what they do. But. Yeah, man, to speak to your point, I was just so delusionally certain that I was willing to do it, that I just, I didn't care if anybody watched it. I, I wasn't doing it to build brand. I, I was doing it to prove a point to, to a girl, you know? So yeah. to me, it was like, and, and by the way, I don't know if she's ever watched it. You know, I'm sure she has, but that was irrelevant. It was more about proving to myself that I was the type of person who was worthy of, um, 
you know, whatever at the time was, was in my head, you know, I was worthy of my dreams and goals, my aspirations. So, so yeah, man, delusional optimism. And, and the way I put it is imperfect action. That is the best way I can explain it. And I tell, because I've tried to rationalize and reason. I think I'm, I think I'm a pretty phenomenal communicator, not because I'm so great, but because I really worked on it. And uh, I got to tell you, man, no matter how great and fluent I could speak French, if someone doesn't speak that language, they'll never get it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so the one thing I always tell people is take imperfect action. And as you get better and better, hire coaches and people, those actions get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. Pretty soon you're phenomenal at what it is that you do and people will pay you handsomely for it. You know, I'm sure you've heard that quote from Jack Ma, the, the founder of Alibaba. Yeah. That's super offensive to a lot of people where he says, you know, poor people fail because their whole life is about waiting. Mm-hmm. And he, and he, you know, he's, he has, it's a big quote and I love it. I, I honestly love it. Not because I read it and I go, ha ha, poor people suck. I read it and I go, he's right. And therefore don't ever do those things, Jeff, or this could happen to you too. Right. I mean, you, you were poor before it could happen again. Like don't wait, don't be a skeptic. Don't invest in all the reasons why something isn't the right move. If you feel it, follow it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and as you're talking, I'm like, I, that's what I was thinking is like, yeah, it's, 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 you did the opposite of waiting. When you were talking about life happening to you versus you happening to life, waiting is life happening to you. And so you're waiting for it to change and happen to you differently so that then you can seize the moment, like the moments now. And this all sounds like a bunch of raw, raw motivational stuff. And what I try so hard to convince people or to inspire, I, I've stopped trying to convince people. I try to inspire them to this perspective is that it's not a tactical or mechanical conversation. If somebody says, I want to get Omar's result, the answer isn't, okay, well, you need to hire this person and you need to uh, book this interview and you need to have this, you need to set up your YouTube channel this way. And it's not like, a, it's not like paint by numbers. Right. It's, it's no, if you want to get Omar's result, just be like Omar, be insane, <laughs> right? And, 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 and people hear, I think people hear that and they don't quite believe it. And so I'm, I'm really excited that there's like somebody else saying it. Like, I think you're just yeah. as whacked out and crazy as I am. And it's, it's amazing, you know? Yeah, and I appreciate that. And I think too, I think too, you know, as I meet, as I meet more and more incredible men and women who've yeah. done amazing things in life and business, you know, you start to notice patterns, particularly mm-hmm. that I have the good fortune of, of doing them in person a lot. Um, and, you know, you notice little temperamental things that you wouldn't maybe notice over a Zoom where you hop on, hop off. Because yeah. I'm in the office, I'm in the space, I hear how they talk, I hear how they think, I hear the first thing they say when the interview's done, I hear how they, was I okay, was I not, you know. And, and, and there's a couple of patterns that I notice about a lot of them. Um, number one, they're all incredibly, it's, it's very interesting. They have a duality with emotions. They're all, number one, incredibly emotional. Um, but let me explain. What I, when I mean emotional, they're emotionally convicted in what they're doing. Very emotionally convicted in what they're doing. And the second thing is they're very good at emotionally managing the downside. When things go bad, they lose a ton of money. You know, I mean, you know, when you're with a billionaire, I mean, they have days where you know, something could go wrong. They lose five million bucks. They eat it, and he has to live with that. At that scale, they get used to those numbers, but certainly there are, no matter what that hurts, you know, for any business at any scale, and it happens all along the way. So one thing I've learned is that they're emotional masters. And I think that really, 
I, I have seldom found, and I'm sure you, I, I'm sure you could agree. Um, I have seldom found a successful entrepreneur or an accomplished entrepreneur uh, that is not a phenomenal uh, manager of emotions, at least to a large dominant capacity. I mean, sure, there's people who go crazy, but to a certain degree, you have to learn how to manage your emotions because the deal's not going to happen. Um, someone's going to quit on you. Your 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 you know CFO or someone's going to screw you or someone's going to take your money or at some level, some of these things can and probably will happen, especially as you grow and grow and grow. So if you're not emotionally calibrated resiliently from day one when you're broken, just starting and you know watching this stuff and getting inspired, if you don't build that muscle now, you're not prepared yeah. for what it is that you want. So I heard this beautiful analogy, and I'll, I'll kind of um, wrap up the point with this, is um, it's kind of like a, a caterpillar, right? Caterpillar goes into cocoon. And when it's in the cocoon, it's wiggling, right? Now, ultimately, it wants to wiggle to be a butterfly. The parallel here is that most people in life who have dreams and goals and ambitions but feel stuck are in a cocoon of their own, right? And they want they see all these you know successful people or people living their dream. And they're not just about money. Maybe it's freedom. Maybe it's relationship, whatever it is, right? That the, the butterfly effect, right? And they're in a cocoon and they're wiggling right now. And they see other butterflies flying around. They go, man, I want to be that one day. What they don't realize, Jeff, and very important for people watching or listening to pay attention to this, because this analogy really changed my entire perspective, is that when you're in a cocoon, did you know, Jeff, that there is a big portion of caterpillars that actually never make it out of a cocoon because they stop wiggling and suffocate? Mm. And, and interestingly enough, the process of a caterpillar wiggling inside of a cocoon as it wiggles, it's actually building muscle. And the exact muscle, wouldn't you know, the exact muscle, the exact point, and they did a scientific study on this, you can Google it, the exact muscle required, the exact precise muscle required that grows from wiggling, from that process of keep wiggling in that tight spot, is the exact amount of muscle required to not only break through the cocoon, but actually support the wing so that it can actually fly. Hmm. Think about how profound that is. That means that in the process of somebody wiggling and struggling, instead of giving up and dying, if you keep wiggling, even if you're in a cocoon, you just keep trying, like you said, taking that one more action, that one more wiggle, that one more attempt, sooner or later, that's going to build a little bit of muscle and a little bit of muscle and a little bit of muscle. And then one day when you break through or you start the business or you start making that money, well, now you would have had the muscles to support you to do it on and on and on, not just barely make it out of the cocoon. But most people see the cocoon as their whole world. They don't realize that they need to, to earn their way out of their situation. Does that make sense? They can't just think their way out of it. So um, that's been a profound analogy that for me, I, I try to leave with people that, um, you know, keep wiggling, keep wiggling. Yeah. The, muscle, the muscle's being built. And, and I've, I've never heard that, uh, which is beautiful and, and profound. And I will hopefully never, for, I, I don't think I could forget that because um, it's, so, it's such a deep, you know, uh, metaphor. But what I have heard is that if you see a, a butterfly struggling to get out of the cocoon, don't help them. Mm. Because the str like you think it's related to that, the strength needed to break through the cocoon is the strength. It's, the, it's what develops the strength to move their wings. Exactly. But yeah. they don't and so you don't that. help them. Exactly. They don't, they don't see that. They, the, 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 you know, to somebody helping them, they might go, oh, yeah, I'm just going to alleviate this stress. But resistance is what grows. I have a mentor. His name is Dr. John Martini. He has a perfect line. He says that maximum growth occurs at the intersection of support and challenge. Again, maximum growth occurs at the intersection of support and challenge. If you lift a weight, Jeff, you seem like a pretty fit guy. If you, if you do curls with a pen, nothing's going to happen to your muscles, right? Right. Same thing in life. It's like people go like, well, that's too heavy. 
well, good. That's it, it, lifting. It's how it gets a little less heavy. <laughs> you yeah. know, there's no way around it. The weight's not going to change because you don't want to lift it. Uh, but the more you lift it, the more the weight will change. You just have to be willing to lift it long enough uh, for it to change. So I have two questions and I, I know you have a, a, a hard stop in about seven minutes. So I'm going to try to cram in my, my questions. Very selfish here. I just, I want to know two things. <laughs> no problem. Um, first one is, you know, what you're describing is something like you, like you alluded, it was something that was present in you before you got the result. Mm-hmm. So even when you were broke and even when you were sitting on the couch, you were, you, you had this potential energy, wait, maybe waiting for a catalyst or waiting for the right timing that you could tap into to say, I'm going to, you know, it's like when Omar gets on fire, he burns hotter than most people, you know, for whatever reason. So my question is, do you know, do you have any insight on how you got programmed that way? Is it, is it just your DNA? Is it something that happened to you? Was there a mentor or an inspiration when you were young? Like, how did you get that way? That's a great question, Jeff. You're actually a great interviewer. I, uh, I've sat down with some of the best. You're, you're pretty damn good, brother. So great job. Thanks, um, real. <laughs> I would say, um, I would say it's conditioning. Um, I don't think I necessarily, you know, I wasn't raised in an entrepreneurial household. Uh, although, um, you know, it was a very, I mean, there was definitely like standards and goals and ideals and, you know, rituals and there was definitely high standards. Um, but at the same time, you know, for me, it really started when I was a kid. I remember, I think I was like 10, 11 years old. And the first time I, this is the first time I ever thought, oh, I could live my dream. And I remember it. I never let go of that, Jeff. I was 11, 10 years old. And, um, we went to a soccer game You know, I played soccer when I was a kid for about a decade. And, uh, I'll never forget. I, uh, we were at a soccer game. It was me and my dad. And I remember seeing soccer players on the field. And that was the first time that I had ever seen someone that was like on TV in real life, right? Somebody that I was like, you know, I fantasized on TV. Oh my God, I'm watching a soccer game and they're in real life and, and like they're real people. And I remember being fascinated, like, oh my God, millionaires are real people. You know, like millionaires, like they can, like, I remember telling my dad, dad, like they're real people. Like, does that mean that if I work hard, I could be one of those people? If I do something, I, you know, I yeah. could, I could move circumstances to be there. I don't know how I worded it at 10 or 11 years old, but I remember thinking that thought. And he was like, yeah, like the, the difference is they just kept doing it. And I just like, whoa, like very simple. Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking like, whoa. And from that moment on, man, you know, anything I did, I wanted to be the pro. I wanted to be the, the, the best at that. Um, not from an ego place, but just from like, I wanted to give my all to it. I respected so much when I would read Michael Jordan interviews or interviews yeah. about masters of their craft where they slept with the ball or, you know, they, they ate, you know, they slept, ate, drank the thing, all this, all they talked about, it's all they thought about, they had posters in their room. That was very much me first with soccer, later with skateboarding. And I was like, I want to be a professional skateboarder. I want to travel the world. I used to have friends in school and I used to tell everybody, I want to be a pro skater. I, like I'd have chicks come at school and like I'd pretend to sign autographs. Like I was delusionally, wanting to live that dream. I wanted to go on tour. I wanted to sign autographs. I wanted to do what I love for a living. And I, you know, I didn't aspire to be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, or, you know, any of that stuff. I aspired to be somebody who gets paid to play. And yeah. I, and, and Jeff, I got to tell you, man, I spent so many years trying different things that, you know, I knocked doors and solar door door. I tried everything. And like you said, I had this potential that wanted to live a dream. I just didn't have the vehicle. I didn't have the vehicle. And uh, when I found the vehicle, I made a promise to myself. I said, you know, I've failed so many times. I remember, dude, I made a promise to myself in my mid-20s. I said, the next vehicle I find, pardon my language, but I'm going to fucking kill it. 
Like I'm yeah. not going to let it go. I'm not going to be casual. I'm going to be the fucking man at that thing. And when I found that thing, I just beat the hell out of it. Uh, and uh, I still continue to to this day. And now I help people do the same thing. So, you know, it's, it's amazing. And, and, and um, yeah, that, that's the best way I could put it, man. Condition. Yeah. So, so you just actually segued exactly into my next question, which okay. is you, you made a decision. You say, when I, when I get on this, in this groove, when I find my thing, I'm going to be the best at it. Right. And, not, and it's not about being better than everybody else. It's no. being the best means you're going to be your own best version of whatever that thing is. Right. Yeah. I, I think the best way to language it is I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to give yeah. it everything I got. No, no regrets. Right. So, so obviously there's more to having, a, you know, a business, a thriving business like yours doing the, the things that you're doing than just, Hey, I landed a couple interviews with a couple big names and it all just happened. Right. Right. There's, there's a lot. I mean, I, I run a YouTube channel. I'm, I'm trying to build a YouTube channel right now. I know how much science there is to it. You know, your, yes. the way you title your videos, the, the way you write your descriptions, the thumbnails, the opt and just the keywords, the research, um, there's a technicality mm-hmm. that is in that is baked into your success. I know that. How yeah. did you learn that? And yeah, I don't expect you to tell me how you do it per se. I'm, I'm sure you, you have a training on that. But like, you clearly became a technician as well as you know, great in the other areas. How did you learn that? And yeah, I mean, tell me more about that. Yeah. So, so initially, and, and don't worry about time. Uh, we're, we're good. So okay. I'm happy to, I'm happy to uh, add some value here. So yeah, that. it's interesting when I started, I think like most people, um, they just kind of create content and throw it up there. And I think yeah. that's good. I actually recommend people do that just to get over what I like to call publish anxiety. Mm. You get the ball rolling. That's the first phase uh, of any content creators, uh, you know, process. Uh, the next evolution is step two. Um, and that's called optimization. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, you learn to be strategic. So for example, yeah, I mean, I, I thought like, oh, you just put it online and if it's good, people watch it, right? Yeah. And maybe that was the case on YouTube, you know, seven years ago, eight years ago. Right. Uh, but people started getting really savvy. People, now you're competing for attention with the next graphic designer's thumbnail. And now you're competing with mm-hmm. SEO and titles and keywords and tags and descriptions. And YouTube, interestingly enough, actually um, can actually it actually scans video and can pick up words. So if you say real estate a lot or finance or money, you know, it'll rank higher in keyword tags if people are searching for it. You know, and a lot of people don't know this. They think like, oh, just put the video, put it up. But in reality, how many videos have you ever clicked on that it wasn't because the thumbnail or the title? Never. That's why everybody clicks on on videos on YouTube. You know, and I like to tell people that on YouTube, um, every book is judged by its cover, (laughs) you know? Uh, and it's just very, very fast and you're competing with everybody else's book cover. So one thing I learned and I had no formal training, so we really dug through the trenches, me and my team, and we would just hash out and experiment this thumbnail. What about that thumbnail? What about this title? I mean, we became mad scientists trying stuff, testing, trying, testing, trying, testing. You know, I just had Russell Brunson on the show and he said, you know, the best, the best mark, people ask me questions all the time and he goes, but the best marketers will tell you, they don't really know. Just test. You just got to test, yeah. test, test. You don't know what ad is going to work. You don't know what product is going to work. But you, you know, some people launch one course and it doesn't work and they say, oh, this thing's, you know, not that hot. Right. But you launch 10 different courses, two or three of them make you a couple million bucks, changes your whole life. And now you got a resilient attitude, right? Yeah. So it's really about taking, you know, again, massive action. But, you know, for us, we just experimented. And so um, I learned there's a couple of things, just some practical takeaways for your audience. So uh, number one is the thumbnail. Thumbnail is integral. 
Um, you want to ideally have things like close-up faces, right? The more close-up a face is, the, more, the, the higher click-through rate you usually have. Mm -hmm. Second thing is you want to have animated expressions. You don't want to have stuff that's like simple and safe, especially as more and more people, as you notice patterns of people starting to do stuff, you got to move away from that. You know, so it's a constant evolution. I think graphic designers creates a huge opportunity for them and an interesting challenge at the same time because you're competing for attention. So essentially, number one, your thumbnail should have emotion, right? A close-up expression of emotion. Uh, number two, you want to have ideally uh, five-ish words on the thumbnail that relate to your point. Um, Another thing too is story, right? Like for example, you'll notice a lot of, uh, you know, our interviews are like, you know, from broke to a zillion dollars, yeah, yeah. from uh, living in my car to this, um, from, you know, uh, from a hundred grand a year to a hundred million a year in five years, or, mm -hmm. you know, obviously those are extremities, but it doesn't have to be about money. It could be whatever, but to some capacity, a story, a journey, you know, with Frank Kern, I think, it, I think the title is how a used car salesman became the number one uh, direct response marketer ever, right? Whatever it is. So mm -hmm. things like that do really well because you got to understand when people are scrolling through a phone, if you just put, you know, uh, and I'm not saying you do this, but I'm just saying if you put, you know, Jeff Lerner episode two, the Jeff <laughs> Lerner podcast with Tom Bilyeu. Right. It, it, when you're scrolling, no, who's going to commit 45 minutes to that versus like, you know, a guy asking, you know, 20 girls what they look for in a guy or, right, uh, right. you know, or how to make, you know, how to make, uh, you know, six figures in affiliate marketing in a month or whatever, right? right? Not, not that those are ideal things to look at, but I'm just saying that like, you know, you have to, for lack of a better expression, you have to have a clickbaity idea that their mind can grasp in a second. And the more you do that, the more you notice patterns. That, those are the other things. Now, keyword tags are also very important, uh, meaning when people search stuff, YouTube is the world's second largest search engine and it's owned by Google, which is the world's first largest search engine. Right. So you got to realize like a big portion of our stuff um, doesn't actually come from subscribers. So subscribers are great, but what you really want to win on and what we help clients with is getting suggested and recommended. Cause when you do that, now you've got infinite amounts of seeds of possibility. So I'll give you an example, Jeff. Let me ask you a question in the last 30 days. Um, have you seen something that was recommended to you on YouTube that was 10 years old, 10 months old, 10 weeks old, 10 days old, and 10 hours? In the last 30 days, have you been recommended stuff from YouTube that was from all those time zones? I would guess yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's exactly right. Most people would probably say in the last week, if not a couple days, because see, when, with Facebook and Instagram, on the other hand, when you post on Facebook or Instagram, all that effort, all that time, all that energy you put into creating content. Don't get me wrong. It has a certain value. But after 24, 48 hours, they want more. Right. Your audience wants more. Ed Milet called me a couple months ago. I'll never forget it. He was like, dude, I'm maxed out on my ability to produce content. Like, I'm sick of it. Like, yeah. you know, and, he, and I'm like, Here, here's Ed Milet calling me. If he's feeling it, we're all definitely feeling it. You yeah, know, it's, right. it's constant pressure to create content. And a lot of times you're not always monetizing it right away. You know, you could do, you know, look like audiences and retarget people and stuff like that. There's ways to go about that uh, in online marketing. But in general, you're really just giving value for free. And that takes time and effort. And it takes away from your business and it takes focus, right. and resources and investing. But in the long run, it's one of the smartest things you can do because that's what's going to differentiate yourself in the marketplace when everybody else isn't. Yeah. Um, and, you, and you nail it perfectly. You were talking about digital real estate. I love that. Uh, but my, my point about it is that like everyone feels content overwhelm, but one of the most powerful things you can do is when you're creating content is learn how to rank 
because YouTube is a search engine. So when people search how to do this or how to do that, your stuff comes up. And the more and more people click on it, the more you're telling stories, you've got all these little wins over a 30, 60, 90 day thing. I'm telling you, your views will go up way more than you logically think you even deserve. And I know that's an interesting way of putting it, but I'm telling you, I do four years ago, I'm smoking joints in a car lost trying to figure out my life. Right, right. I, would never, I would have never imagined that I would have one person listen to an interview, let alone two or a hundred or a thousand or now, you know, we're over 6 million, approaching 7 million listeners on the podcast. So I never would have even thought that was remotely possible, but believe it or not, stories do a phenomenal job of really hooking people. And I think most people really don't capture stories um, in a really compelling way. So if you can, to recap, if you can tell a story, have a compelling thumbnail, um, have a title that illustrates, you know, from X to this, right? From this to that in some capacity. Uh, if you can optimize your keyword tag so that people, and I'll tell you this, there's three things that people go to YouTube for, the three top things. Number one is music. Number two is comedy and entertainment. And number three is to search how to. Mm -hmm. There are tens of millions of people every single day searching for how to do things. If you become the guy that they find when you're searching how to do this or how to do that, or say you offer a product or service or business or course or whatever, and you're the guy or gal that's in their top rankings and they click on you, well, more and more they're going to start seeing recommendations from that. And those seeds, instead of like Facebook and Instagram that only have 24 or 48 hour windows on YouTube, those seeds are going to exist a year from now. We make money today from videos we put out three years ago. Yeah two years ago. Whereas with ads, um, don't get me wrong, pay traffic has a phenomenal place in, in online business, but you're essentially renting the at bat, the possibility to make sales and, and, and drive revenue. And that's why you're finding a lot of the legends. You know, I've had Frank Kern on the show. You're seeing the Frank Kearns, the Mike Dillers, the Russell Brunsons, who are traditionally only kind of playing a conservative in online marketing and saying, Hey, I only want to put a dollar in when I can guarantee money back. Right. Realizing the power of like, oh, no, no, I need to build brand. So now, yeah. you know, you have people changing their tune a little bit and I get it um, because when you build brand, those videos are going to get recommended over and over. And so now you're creating, like you said, digital real estate for this year, next year, three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. And that audience is going to come with you. So maybe you down the road, maybe pivot your business model. Maybe you change your business. Maybe you have a new product or a new service. Mm -hmm. Well, now you have a huge body of audience that will come with you instead of just renting traffic that dies the second your, your campaign or your ad budget dies, right? So it's really this long, long-term approach that I, that I recommend people think about when, when learning how to optimize and, and grow out their content. Yeah, I'm so glad you're talking long-term. You know, I, I own a company, Entra, that teaches digital business, mm -hmm. and it is my never-ending, constant frustration of people coming in with the mindset that because it's the internet, it should be fast. <laughs> you know, like, because I mean, I agree, internet connection speeds are fast, you know, 12 <laughs> megabytes per second. That doesn't mean you're going to get $12 per second, right? Like yeah. the internet's still real business and it takes time. And I, and I love, you know, that's why I came up with this digital real estate term. And you're just a great example. I mean, I, I won't ask you the numbers, but I have a sense based on, you know, you have 116,000 subscribers. I can see how many views you have. Yeah. I have a rough idea of the quality of your content and the CPM that it generates, which is the revenue share that, that YouTube gives you. And I assume you monetize your interviews. Yeah, yeah. We got, so I'm happy to be transparent about, about even that stuff. Like, so for ad revenue, um, and this is one of the most interesting things we learned in optimizing our stuff. So ad revenue for us hovers anywhere from four to 8,000 a month, which okay. relative to our other business stuff uh, isn't that much. 
But hey, four to eight thousand a month. Yeah, but it's an annuity, dude. You're gonna have it for the next thirty years. Yeah, I'll take it. I mean, yeah. dude, that's a mortgage payment for a lot right. of people. You know, I'll take it. Um, so you know, I mean, that alone is is that alone is powerful. But but here's the other thing: is in interviews, and this is this is why I love interviews. This is why I love teaching. This is why I have courses. I work with clients. This is why I love it. Um, interviews are actually Jeff the best way to retain audiences long term. Here's why. YouTube favors long format content. And we've mm -hmm. seen the shift with YouTube where in the last couple of years, I don't know if you remember, but five years ago, plus 10 years ago, um, YouTube was, was three minute videos, music videos, five minute videos. They and wouldn't let you upload longer than 10 minutes. You had to get like special approval, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. I actually remember that. That's funny. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then it gradually made the shift to 10 minutes and then 12 minutes and 15 minutes and 17 minutes and 20 minutes. Now you have 45 minute interviews, hour long interviews, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so really what's happening is that YouTube is favoring long format content over everything else. So they pay the most, they, yeah. they recommend you the most, they give you the, the best shot at bat, the biggest benefit of the doubt. If people click off, uh, you know, I make, <clears throat> I have a lot of friends who are, um, you know, YouTubers that make millions and millions of dollars. I'm sorry, that, sorry, that have millions and millions of views that are not making millions and millions of dollars. And I'm making more from them on YouTube. Now, granted, that's not any, that's not even remotely close to our primary sources of revenue. Of course. But, hey, man, I'll take it. And again, it's because YouTube favors long format content and particularly, particularly in business because people are bidding uh, for keywords related to online marketing, business, uh, real estate, finance, things mm -hmm. like that. So it's very attractive to advertisers when you're interviewing entrepreneurs because those are their ideal customers, right? Mm -hmm. The types of people that would watch that type of stuff. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's been awesome. Um, and again, I want to be sensitive to your time. I, there's one thought I have that I would like to share and I would like to get your thoughts on. And then I'm, if you're cool, we can wrap it. Sure. Um, you know, talking about kind of going back to the, the aspect of story, you mentioned t storytelling, how effective that is, um, as a, as a content format. I think that we have to, I'm always trying to look for things that are general principles that inform how we deal with the world, but also that we can turn on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And if you think about how inspiring stories are to others and how inspiring, even, even in you and me talking here, the thing that's inspired me the most about this is your story, right? Thank you, man. So, so we need, I think one, of, one really helpful thing for people that are trying to get over that hump is to allow themselves to be inspired by their own story. And to start to look at their own struggles or their own challenge or wherever they're at as, okay, maybe this is the first or second chapter of my story. Yeah. And you start to objectify yourself and, and, and almost step back from yourself and see. And, and the, the best way I found to create that arm's length, almost like an existential step back so you can see yourself in that way, is to start documenting your story. Yeah. But when you're down and out, don't go, oh, I'm so down and out. Go, oh, thank goodness. Because someday I'm going to want to have before pictures. Yes. It's, so it's let, me let me take a snapshot of me eating ramen on the floor, right? Yeah. Dude, actually, here, I'm going to show this to your audience real quick. Because it's so funny you say that. Uh, I took a photo in 2016 with my ex-girlfriend. She took it of me, and it says Nostalgia Pictures. Uh, September 19th, 2016, I wrote, so funny you say this. I wrote, the good old days to look back at and always remember where you came from. I'm totally broke here. Uh, yeah. And, look at that. 
Exactly, man. And you, you, the thing is, if you don't take those pictures, you will regret it so much. Yeah, dude, I'm sitting on the floor broke. I remember we were eating yeah. cup noodles and I, and I, and I was like, I was like, Hey, snap this photo. I think you, I'm you don't even have a door on your closet. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. It was, um, it's been a crazy journey, man. And it's, uh, it, great did you have that context back then? I did. Say, this I did. is my before phase. I did. I did. I, I took photos. I used to screenshot my bank account. I, I didn't know right. that a bank account could be negative, uh, you know, in the thousands. I didn't know. I never saw that. And, you know, I'd have a red bank account. I mean, I'd be, I had at one point, Jeff, I had 13 overdraft fees. I just, nice. 13. you know, so I, uh, <laughs> I, I racked them up, my friend. I, I was trying to figure it out. And, and, uh, you know, by taking action and investing in myself was able to turn that around and now help other people be able to do the same thing as well. So it's, it's the greatest gift, man. That's amazing. My, my last year before I got started, I had a negative $40,000 tax return. Because I was trying, I was, I, I made 40 grand a year, but I managed to lose 80 trying to start businesses and yeah. that, that can be negative too. So quick question before we wrap up is um, when you first started, did you struggle for a couple years or did you kind of have some wins? Uh, I, well, when I started online, I got quick wins, yeah. but I was 28. I started my first business when I was 16. Mm, gotcha. So I got my butt whooped for 12 years as an entrepreneur and many of them, they weren't technically online businesses, yeah. but they were businesses that involved online marketing. Got it. And so I had a big learning curve and crash course through that, but it was all just getting my ass kicked left and right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah anyways. Cool, no way to it, but through it. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, dude, I, I really appreciate, sorry, I get so casual when I start to feel like someone's my friend. I'm like, What's up, dude? Uh, but no, seriously, man, I, uh, I've really enjoyed this. This is amazing. I feel like a, a kindred spirit here, man, uh, the unreasonable enthusiasm and optimism and just taking these crazy, making these crazy bets on yourself. Uh, I, I love it. So thanks for your time. I know you got something else coming up. You got to go prep for it. Just, I, I appreciate you. And I, uh, I know that my audience is going to get so much value out of this. I don't even have to wonder. Um, just thanks for being here, man. I look forward to reconnecting too. Awesome, man. Very cool. Jeff, I appreciate it. Thank you for being one of the passionate few. And uh, if you guys enjoyed this interview, message Jeff. Let him know how uh, you enjoyed it. And if you guys want to follow me, you can follow me at Omar underscore the Rockstar on Instagram, at Omar underscore the Rockstar on Instagram, or check out any of our interviews on the passionate few. And I hope uh, they inspire you to live your dreams and get in touch with us and let us know, um, you know how we can serve you or how any of our interviews have touched your life. So thank you, Jeff, for... Uh, allowing me to share my dream uh, with other people as they pursue theirs. Of course. And you can tell that I'm, uh, I'm still just getting the hang of this because it's like, I didn't even do the call to action to go follow Omar. But yeah, I've oh, recently Lord. started following Omar and his content is amazing. And I'm going to make sure that below this uh, video and, and podcast, there's a link to, would you rather be your YouTube channel or what? Yeah, the we my YouTube channel, Instagram, whatever. Okay. Whatever. Awesome. Well, thanks again, man. I really enjoyed it. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, Jeff. You guys take care of yourself and uh, keep inspiring. Keep fighting the good fight, brother. Hey, thanks a lot, man. We'll see you. Cheers, Jeff. Talk soon. You just finished this episode of the Millionaire Secrets Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share this episode and do leave us a review. Let us know how we impacted you today. Your next step toward creating your awesome life is to join me and thousands of others in the Entra Nation community where you'll receive free training, networking with other awesome life seekers, access to live events, discounts, merchandise, and other awesome perks. 
head over to www.entrenation.com. That is www.entrenation.com and join us today. And of course, do please follow me on social media. I can be found on all the major social networks at Jeff Lerner Official. Thank you again for listening and please go be awesome.